Tonight's reading is from Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand, stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The word of the Lord. Listen to the words of the preacher. They are given according to the spirit and by the light of the great... Sorry, that's the wrong part. I'm not interested in empires unless they have fallen or are stumbling, tripping forward or about to fall from the crumbling incompetence of the Great Wall to the burned-out shell of Bombay Beach. I like broken things. I'm not overly impressed by grandeur, opulence, or structural marvel. I'm drawn to rubble, ruin, collapse. I've been this way as long as I can remember. I remember in first grade, walking with my brother Mike, down Ventura Boulevard in Ventura, California. And we were in a neighborhood that I'd heard, we lived in a neighborhood that I heard my grandmother describe as run down. A neighborhood where I spent the first eight years of my life. And we were looking around at all the buildings, the businesses, the structures, and I remember thinking that they all looked like they used to be something else, like better or cleaner or open. We decided to explore a closed, abandoned gas station. It was a classic old building, a streamlined modern gas station with the awnings built out over the pumps, two service bays, and the angled air traffic control tower glass office. It had clearly seen better days. The roll-up doors on the service bays were gone, and we went inside and looked down into the wells. There were no lifts. There were concrete stairs going down into these wells so the mechanics could get under the cars to work on them. There were workbenches and an old refrigerator on its side, everything greasy and messy and damaged. The metal door to the office was bent and rusty. 
Then these big kids saw us and swaggered into the building and said we couldn't be there, and one of them picked up a pipe, and so we ran. I remember being really scared and intensely compelled at the same time. When my family would drive past that old gas station, I would imagine what it would have been like when it was gleaming and new. When it first opened, shiny cars would have pulled up and uniformed attendants would have come out uh, to fill her up. For me, no such romantic visions were ever attached to a brand new gas station. I wonder if my attraction to abandoned and broken down things is simply the result of my circumstances, living in that neighborhood for several years, and then moving and growing up in the city I did, St. Paul. St. Paul is a city that used to be. I guess another way of saying it, saying it is that it has a sense of history. Either way, there's a lot of looking back. Back to the days when James J. Hill built the Great Northern Railway and St. Paul was the most important city west of Chicago. Back to the days when F. Scott Fitzgerald sat in a third-floor apartment on Summit Avenue and wrote his first novel after dropping out of Princeton. Back to the days when gangsters filled the city and it was glamorous and dangerous. I like the stories, but I like the structures better. The broken down buildings mark what used to be. Broken things, the ruins of something once great or mundane are pure possibility because they contain the potential for absolute redemption. When I see a structure being restored, Every staircase or window that is repaired or replaced limits the building's possibility. Every decision that's made rules out every other decision that could have been made until finally the structure stands as a very narrow glimpse of one person's understanding of what redemption looks like. All possibilities removed. Brokenness seems more true than greatness. And I trust brokenness more than I trust the promise of greatness. When has greatness ever helped anyone out? Are people's lives profoundly changed when they finally realize how great they actually are? When they come to accept that it is they who are great themselves? I don't trust that I know what actual redemption looks like. But I do know what potential for redemption looks like. Listen to the words of the preacher. They are given according to the spirit and by the light of the great conflagration. We only ever build on the bones of the broken bricks of the past creations. Recreation is the only possibility. Moses spends but two brief chapters detailing God's creation of the world and then devotes the next nine to describing God's great destruction of it. The garden is a ruin. The people are put out. All but a handful are drowned in God's great temper tantrum with nearly every other living thing, plants, insects, creatures, even the birds with no place to land, eventually they tire and drop from the sky. 
When the waters begin to clear and the few remaining folks' feet are placed on dry land, once again they stand on the shores of the receding fetid sea, the bloated and decaying carcasses and corpse floating in and littering the land before them. In the aftermath of this mass destruction and the rotting remains of creation, God commands, go, build, make, recreate the world. Creation and ruin are forever intention. Decay begins the moment a thing is made. Hear this now in the very coal and ice of your being. Great possibility lives in the marrow of a great ruin. The process of decay, deterioration, destruction, demolition, whether by force of human artifice or by nature's time, sun, wind, and catastrophic force, leaves behind not only sorrow, but the possibility of resurrection. A house built is in chains, a record pressed is held in captive in its 180-gram vinyl cage until that consequential moment erosion moves slightly to address what was fixed by making it better. To deconstruct the intentions of the creator is to nearly return a thing to limitlessness. I say nearly for all the possibilities lying at the heart of the ruin are, are stained by some essential beauty, so that all future forms seem somehow to carry suggestions from the past. And then when one begins again, because always we begin again to make something out of the ruin, we reinitiate the process of removing possibilities, limiting, narrowing, moving toward very particular definitions Certainly, certainty is limiting. Possibility is a potential, a question. And this is where we find ourselves today in this text, at this place, at this place on the wheel. The spirit of the world is bent over broken, marred, scarred? Is it the world that affects us? Is it pulling us closer, bending us over closer as it breaks? Or is it us as we walk on the earth that causes the fissures and the cracks? This is the place we are on the wheel, the one that is marked by ruin, marked by spirit, but a spirit that now is preparing for healing, fully cut open, completely crumbled. Our mother earth is bent over. Her unbound gray hair brushes the ground, moving back and forth like a curtain of strands of unwoven wool. Wool that maybe is tied or somehow works its way down through into the earth, up into our feet, 
somehow we're all connected as she is bent down we're pulled down as well the ends of the strings of the hair of the wool caked matted in dirt and twigs but she is ready for redemption and all around us all around the world all around through this holy book we are all walking stepping in the mud dragging our feet waiting for the malaise to lift the wheel turns a little and that's all it takes jesus sees the woman with the crippled spirit jesus sees our mother bent over quite unable to stand up and jesus calls to her and says woman mother you are set free from your ailment and he reaches out and touches the mother and immediately she stands straight pulling those strands of hair those strings with her up through the earth pulling us all up with her as she stands vanishing and banishing the malaise or maybe some shining kind of sunlight hits us in the right direction shocking our system with a pulsing vitamin D bomb pointing us to the possibility and the energy to see what we are all going to make again or maybe it is not our mother the earth that pulls us up maybe we are bound to her and if we can stand straight we can bring her up with us actually i'm not really sure how these things work if she heals us or we heal her or it's some holy other thing but maybe if you pull a tu- if you feel a tug try to stand up and see if you pull anyone else up with you or maybe see that we might all be able to heal the world and each other together